0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Making our way to Atlanta and Arizona for our last in our 2023 projection series on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. I think what I meant to say for our last stop is what I meant to say in the intro there. This is our final episode looking at 2023 projections across the league. We are finishing, as I said, in Atlanta and Arizona. Now These teams in totality do not have as many fantasy studs, if you will, as some of the teams that we've talked about prior. But there are some significant questions, and I think that there's a handful of players here where if things broke the right way for them in the direction that people have been hoping for for some years now, we could have some exciting players. Uh, That said, I think that this will probably be a pretty efficient episode because on a couple of these uh, groupings on these teams. There's just not a lot behind the first guy. So let's just start off right now uh, by discussing the Falcons and then we will get to the Cardinals. Okay. Arizona last year went four and 13. Head coach Jonathan Gannon this year uh, takes over a team that has just released Colt McCoy they are bringing in Josh Dobbs interesting in that this like just happened giving the guy very minimal time to actually prepare for the season and he's going to be thrust into things right away Kyler Murray expected to miss time exactly how much time that remains unclear as a result of that I am kind of making an assumption here that we do see Kyler play this year, uh, but less than, or uh, play in an amount where he's making less than 40% of Arizona's passes. So I'll say this about Kyler. I think that you have the potential for him when he's playing to be a QB1 um, but given the questions about this team as a whole, now the questions that you'd have about him, he's certainly not as intriguing as an, of an option as he might have been in prior years. And as a result of that and everything that's going on with the team around him, the numbers that I end up for him end up with for him in our baseline projection really aren't that great. So, I think that where you're seeing him go and draft at this point is really making sense. And that's kind of like the QB 24 QB 25. Um, you know, maybe you still toss him on a roster after him, one of the elite quarterbacks that has a later buy, like a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, you know, and then if Murray gets back and things really break, break right for him at some point, you have him there, uh, in your arsenal. but, the quarterbacks end up in Arizona here with a 16% share, but I suppose we should probably talk about the team level stuff first. So uh, Arizona last year, I think I said we were going to start off in Atlanta, but whatever we're starting off in Arizona here. Uh, Last year, the team actually ran 79 plays above league average in 2021. They were 45 plays above league average. We have certainly seen this team operate, excuse me, at a fast pace. This year, I have scaled things back down tremendously for them. A lot of this having to do with the fact that you were going to have Kyler out there, out out of things, and I was expecting that Colt McCoy would be under center for the team and maybe they'd operate a little bit differently at a slower pace. Um, As we talk things through here, you know, maybe with Dobbs coming in, I'd make a slight correction, but I, I really do think that we see this team ending up pretty behind pretty pretty far behind league average in terms of total plays. So James Connor, I think, could get around 53% of the rushing work behind him. You have Keonta Ingram maybe getting somewhere around 17% as a point of reference. Last year, we did see James Connor control 55% of rushing attempts, 11% of targets. So putting him this year with 53% of rushes, 8% of targets uh, scales him back just a little bit in terms of efficiency. I don't see him being too efficient as a rusher. Do see him scoring six rushing touchdowns with the touches that he has available, which only come out to 216 as a result of this. James Connor looks more like a late end RB2 than a low end RB2. Um, and we could explore a little bit what things would look like for him. Maybe he gets up to a 57% rush share. and maybe the team runs 20 more plays at rushing than I'm expecting. Um, that still isn't really going to change things for him, does bump him up one touchdown. And then we'd be looking at James Conner finishing as the RB19. And I think that's a pretty substantial tweak that we just made there. But point being, I think the best that you're looking for, for James Conner, and that's not to say he's not a decent pick at his ADP. Uh, the best that you're looking at is maybe somewhere around like RB19. At wide receiver, I have Hollywood Brown with a 26% target share last season. He controlled a total of 24% across 12 games. So a little bit of an increase for him over last year when he was in Baltimore in 2020 and 2021, he did control 27% of targets. Uh, His line has him with a catch rate of just 61%, five receiving touchdowns, still goes over 1,000 yards. And in these projections, he's looking like the wide receiver 18. Now, I would not have any issue with somebody pushing back and saying that that feels a little too optimistic. Uh, But from this subjective perspective, he does look to be a pretty good pick in contrast to where you're able to get him right now. Um, Behind him, I'm not sure that you're getting too excited about um, Michael Wilson or Greg Dorch. Rondell Moore, though, if he were to be the firm wide receiver too, and last year he did control a target share of 19%, if we say he's going to get 17 this year, and of course he only played in eight games last year. If we expect him though to play a full complement of games this year with a rate of 17% efficiency, similar to what he did last year, we actually could end up with a year in which he scores four touchdowns, puts up around 70 receptions, gets close to 800 yards. And that for him would translate to a wide receiver 44 season for Rondale Moore. So perhaps when you have Kyler back and Arizona can start to figure things out a little bit, if that happens, you do have some weeks where Rondell Moore does become useful. Uh, That said, though, not a player that I am going to be making um, significant plans for getting onto my roster this year. At tight end, I think that Trey McBride and Zach Ertz probably split the 115 to 120 targets that might go to the tight end position for Arizona. As a result of this split, I don't see either of them being significant factors. Maybe one of them is able to finish somewhere around tight end 26, but I wouldn't say that there's too much upside for either of those guys. All right. So that's a quick run through through Arizona. Uh, just give me one second All right. Sorry about that. The Atlanta Falcons last year went seven and 10 in terms of play volume under Arthur Smith. Last year, they had a split of 57% rushing to 43% passing. Uh, There were 61 plays behind league average in terms of pace. Uh, I would again expect this team to operate well behind league average, maybe a pickup of 20 or so plays in contrast to last year. Desmond Ritter coming in at quarterback. could see him controlling around 12% of the rushing work with rookie Bijan Robinson getting a rushing share of around 60%. Now, sure, Tyler Algier was good last year. We could make a case that this team might try and go with a somewhat committee approach, maybe in your mind, putting Robinson somewhere closer to like 50%. Uh, Last year, Algier was at 41%, but I am going with the opinion here that the team drafted him for a reason. And also that he's just so good that they have to leave him on the field. As a result, I've assigned him a rushing share of 60%, a target share of 9%. Last year, Algier got to a target share of 5%. Clearly these numbers don't leave too much for Algier, uh, who I see getting maybe around eighteen to twenty percent of the rushes, maybe a three percent target share. What's left over after that of around eight percent, maybe you have Quarter, uh, maybe you have Patterson doing that. But I actually think you almost see him ending up more as a wide receiver. So I did assign him a target share of ten percent. Robinson, I do expect to be efficient in terms of touchdowns and yards per carry, giving him around thirteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns rushing an additional 34 catches as a receiver, uh, and maybe three additional receiving touchdowns. That, in our baseline projections, gets him to be the RB5. And I actually don't think that that is unrealistic in any way. Maybe you say that we need to scale him back to a rushing share of 55% And maybe we think that he's not going to be that efficient in terms of touchdowns. And we drop him down to a rushing touchdown rate that gets him to around, I don't know, let's call it like uh, seven rushing touchdowns. This moves him back pretty significantly, uh, I believe here. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, well... Moves him back to RB eight. So from a point perspective, it actually did move him back a little bit, but from a rank perspective in comparison to the other guys, doesn't move him back too much. Now, even with a pickup from that, I don't think that you see Algier getting into wide receiver f- or excuse me, running back four territory. Um Robinson to me still, I think, uh I could make a case for there's some upside a little bit more over what we talked about, but the long and the short of it is definitely seems to me like he's being priced out more or less correctly. I think you could argue that he should be getting drafted a little bit closer to where you see Tony Pollard going right now. Normally in round two, you're still seeing him in round one, but I think that people are trying to cash in on that upside and I can understand that. Um, so that the, RB4, RB5 valuation doesn't seem ridiculous to me. All right, so moving along. Drake London, as a rookie, in a very solid rookie campaign, controlled a target share of 29%. That is wild. Um, The team did trade for Matt Collins. Um, Obviously, you have Kyle Pitts at tight end. Uh, You got Scotty Miller there now. Uh, Kaderil Hodge, not that these are players that are going to take away too significant of a target share, but with Patterson maybe becoming more of a back to being a wide receiver this year than a rusher, I've given London a 26% share in the baseline. Um, you know, not a very solid catch rate, pretty good in terms of yards per reception. I think we see him around 1,000 yards receiving, maybe 80 or so receptions, six receiving touchdowns. And that type of line would be good enough to get him on the fringe of wide receiver two territory. Now, we could very easily see a scenario where he bumps up from 26% to 29% of targets. And that simple adjustment would push him into wide receiver 17 territory. There's a very, very slim chance. It's a non-zero chance, but not very big that he could finish as a wide receiver one. But I think that more realistically, you're looking at a player that could be a middling wide receiver two, uh, in terms of downside, I think what you might have to worry about is Desmond Ritter, uh, just does not work out for him. We see a sub 60 catch rate. Uh, we only see a target share of around 26%. Uh, this is going to scale him back in terms of touchdown and yardage. Uh, and then you're probably looking at a campaign for him that gets him somewhere closer to wide receiver 30. And I think there could maybe even be a little more downside there for him. This ended up being a quick episode. Like I said, I think the only other player that we really have to talk about And I'd like to try to explore what you could have happen with some of the other players on this team. But when you look at the fact that, you know, Kyle Pitts should control a pretty strong percentage, I'm not expecting this team to be too great in the coming year. Kyle Pitts is the only other player that we really have to talk about. So Kyle Pitts last year had a target share of 27% across 10 games. As a rookie, he was at a target share of 20%. I've assigned him a target share of 23%. Perhaps that's low, but I am giving him for a tight end, pretty strong yards per reception. Ends up with around 70 receptions, 840 yards for receiving touchdowns in this baseline projection. Those numbers get him to be tight end seven, which is actually pretty optimistic uh, in comparison to just my subjective thoughts for Pitts and does paint the picture that he's being more or less Valued correctly by 2023 drafters. And you could say, Dave, I think 23% is way too low. Give him a target share of 26%. A simple tweak like that would move him up to tight end four, uh, maybe 12 or so points behind TJ Hawkinson. So I guess the framing here is even without any upside, he's probably from a subjective projection standpoint being priced correctly. If we wanted to paint a worst-case scenario, maybe, or not a worst-case, but like a bad scenario, you'd shoot his target share down to 22%. Maybe you assume that he also goes sub 60% catch rate, and those adjustments move him down now uh, closer to tight end 10 I will be honest though, I'm just not interested really in drafting Kyle Pitts with where he's going because I think that there's just other players I would rather have. But if you are looking at players from the perspective of in their offense, what does the role that they play look to support from a scoring perspective? It does seem that Kyle Pitts isn't radically far off and that maybe there's not as much downside in the overwhelming range of scenarios than i might think or you might think um so there's a little bit of optimism there uh as you can probably tell though these are two teams that i'm not too optimistic about this year would have liked to have been able to hold on to more enthusiasm for kyler uh but just some of the decisions this team the, the cardinals have been making um don't give me that warm fuzzy feeling uh, and I am hoping though, cause I think that Atlanta could be a really fun team. If you get Robinson hitting, if you could see Ritter really step up to the plate and I hate mixing sports analogies, uh, you know, really step up, be the player that it's looked like at points in his college career, especially that he could be able to support London and Pitts, give them a couple of real breakout years. That would just be really, really fun. So there we go. All 32 teams. It's been a lot of fun breaking these down with you. appreciate every appreciate everybody for listening in on these. Uh, the marathon with this is over. Remember, season starting soon. You want to get in all of your practice. You want to get in reading those articles, um, getting yourself as prepared as you can be. And pretty soon, we're going to be playing the waiver wire. We're going to be trying to figure out who to stream and it's going to be a lot of fun. So appreciate everybody stopping by and I will talk with you later this week. Thank you for listening to the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at FF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.